Welcome to another installment on the Fraternity Friday series. This is where I'm taking men from the Fraternity of Excellence and I'm sharing their word publicly. A lot of what we do happens behind closed doors, but what I wanted to share with everybody is the, just the talent and the skills that we have and the strong messages and the pursuit of excellence that we talk about daily. I want to bring that out to the public because more people need to hear it. And so I found that my platform is a great way to share and help others find these men because what they're doing is not just behind the walls of FOE. And as today you will see, I'm joined by CEO, best-selling author, husband, father, and fraternity brother, John Rennie. John's been talking about leadership for a long time publicly, but a lot of the conversations we have in private are fantastic as well. So to get him on here and be able to have this discussion, I'm pumped. You know, and I, there's quite a bit for you to learn, both in the leadership of yourself as well as the leadership of the teams that you're part of. But in becoming a better leader and understanding the concepts of leadership, you also become a better follower. And so you may not be the top dog, but that does not mean you cannot lead yourself to helping that team become better from the bottom up. And so this discussion's great. I love whenever I can get John on here, you know, check out his podcast, Deep Leadership. It's fantastic. It's like top 50 or top 100, like all management and leadership series. So he's up there with Jocko and all those other guys talking leadership. It's awesome. You know, but with that, I don't want to delay this any further. It's time to jump into it. Enjoy the second installment of the Fraternity Friday series with John Rennie. This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Oh, indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode, episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zachary Small, and today we are running the second Fraternity Friday. So I am joined by another man from the Fraternity of Excellence, and what we're doing is we're talking about the importance of brotherhood, the importance of accountability, and the importance of a man having a network he can tap into to become the best man he can be. And so today I am joined by the John Rennie. John is the co-founder, president, and CEO of Pink Demand, Inc., a premier manufacturer of critical components for electrical utilities. Importantly, to my connection to him, he's a former U.S. Navy nuclear submarine officer. My father was on subs, so we've got that connection. I was not. I did not like being stuck under the water. I like floating <laughs> on it. <laughs> he Smart. made seven deployments during the Cold War. Prior to starting Peak Demand, he led eight manufacturing businesses for three global companies. John, I'm sitting here listing all this. My goodness, I'm running out of breath. And so let's get to some things that really stand out because your wife called me on this. <laughs> Best-selling leadership book author. I have the watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following, all in the same boat, lead your organization like a nuclear submariner, submariner and the host of the Deep Leadership Podcast. Also, there's another book in there, but we'll talk about that after. But yeah. John, coming across this, you are a husband, a father, a leader a veteran, an author, a man of many things, and important, importantly, a fraternity of excellence member as well. John, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. And you don't have to be in the driver's seat today. You get to be a guest on the podcast. I love being a guest. I don't have to create the questions. I don't have to create the content. I just sort of get to answer questions. And that's that's great. I like that part of it. So it's good, good to be here, Zach. It's like when you're riding passenger in a car, you can put your hand out the window and just do the wave with it as you go by. It's yeah, nice. Just, just relax. Absolutely. John, did I miss anything? That was a hell of an opening, I want to say. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that that's that's me in a nutshell. I mean, you know, I I, I you know, I went to uh, I went to college after high school, studied engineering, went right to the fleet, um, and did five years on the USS Tennessee. Then I got out, and you know, uh, like a lot of veterans, didn't really know what I was going to do when I grew up, and uh, got into corporate America. Um, you know, I had an engineering degree, so I went into design engineering, but I didn't really know much about that, and uh, eventually got myself into management, quality management, operations. Uh, engineering and eventually plant management. At 32 years old, I got my first manufacturing plant. And uh, that was just a really cool experience. And then from then on, I just, that's all I did was they sort of put me in uh, manufacturing plants that need to be turned around. And so I had eight different opportunities. I led eight different manufacturing plants. I did 22 years in corporate America uh, and then uh, started my own manufacturing business uh, seven years ago. So, uh, and now, so this is my ninth manufacturing business. So, so manufacturing is in my blood. It was the thing I found after the military that uh, sort of was my guiding light, which was helping, you know, hourly, you know, getting the voice of the hourly employees to be able to turn around these struggling manufacturing plants and really getting people involved and fixing those things. And, and as it turned out, that's, uh, you know, I was pretty successful in that. And that's what I usually write about and talk about in my podcast and in my books. You know, you, you pretty much go against the narrative that those who don't do teach. Because they're like, hey, if you can't play the sport, but you can still coach it, you'd speak and coach a lot about leadership, but you're also doing it. I, I see you leading your family, leading yourself, and also leading the organizations that you run. And so would you say that you fell into leadership as your sense of service when you left the military? And, and I ask that from the position of a lot of veterans, they're missing that thing. And maybe some listening to this episode right now, like there's that void in their soul. I view that to be service. And, and my service was through creating a, a group. It looks like your service is through helping teach the teachers or lead the leaders and with a focus on the people. You know, you always say leadership is a people business. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, was that what filled the void is being eventually, a leader of leaders? Yeah, eventually, Zach, but it took a while. Like I, I was probably lost for about five years, just not knowing like, like, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids have childhood dreams. They want to be an astronaut. They want to be a firefighter. They want to be a police officer. I wanted to be a submarine officer. I know that sounds strange, but that's what I wanted to do. That was my childhood dream. And then what do you do when you achieve your childhood dream at 26 years old, you know, 24 years old, right? What do you do next? What's your encore, right? And so I didn't know after I got out of the military, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so it took me about five years. Actually, it was longer than that now. Now I think about it because it was really my second plant uh, where I realized that this is my calling. This is what I want to do. I want to help uh, people, empower people to help turn around struggling businesses so that they can exist, so they can create those good jobs and they can pay their families and they can, or, you know, they can support their families and, and they can make a good income and, and, uh, and we can be profitable. But, you know, the corporate guys like us, because we make money and we're growing, but then I would, I more did it for the blue collar folks that were on the shop floor that they, they knew that they had a secure job and they were going to be, you know, they were going to be employed for, for as long as they wanted to work. It's interesting. It was, it took that long. And I'm wondering in that journey, as you're going to that point of finding what that calling is, did you have a leadership approach prior to that, that you were intentional about, or was that shaped for you? And you realized, man, I'm going about this the wrong way. I need to change who I am. I would say, uh, no, I would say in the early stage, it wasn't really about me, me changing. It was, it was me trying to find my way. And it was, it was, it, but I would say this is that, um, 
I had a, I had a leader look out for me. You know, he, he saw my potential. He, he knew that I had experience leading people in the military and he, he realized that I wasn't really leading anybody in the corporate world. And he was like, you probably should be leading people, you know, and he gave me the opportunity for my first plant. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that really stands out for me is that, you know, we've got to be watching out for the folks that are, you know, at least as a, as a business leader, we got to watch out for the folks that are working for us that have that potential, right, and give them those opportunities. And so I, I guess I'm thankful that there was a leader who saw my potential and said, hey, I'm going to throw Rennie in this plant. He's never led a manufacturing plant before. He's 32 years old, the youngest plant manager we've ever put in this factory. Let's see what he can do. And and, and I, I'm thankful for those, like, um, those stretch assignments, those challenging assignments, those assignments that you're you're not uh, really truly qualified to do, uh, but yet you jump into them and you learn as you go, and and uh, and and so you know that helped me find my new passion in life. So I guess I'm thankful for people that are looking out for uh, for others, and I try to do that as a leader too. I look out for people that have these hopes and dreams and have this experience that's maybe untapped, and how do we give them those opportunities to reach their potential? That's no, good and. Watching the evolution of a person is always interesting to me, like to just see them grow and evolve. And it's it's a lifelong journey. And we all kind of admit that. But sometimes you get stuck in your ways. And so I'm wondering, did you ever run into that hesitancy of asking for help as a leader because you wanted to prove you didn't need it? Like, oh, I got this. I can do this. And then you kind of find yourself isolating because you're like, well, I can't ask anybody for help or else it looks like I don't got it and I can't do it. Yeah. Is that ever an issue? Oh, big time. Yeah. That first plant was uh, was rough because uh I, you know, so, so you, you don't really have, unless you do it, let, you know, I never really was around a, a plant manager. I didn't know how plant managers are supposed to act, but when you got the role, I was like pretending to be the plant manager. Well, I got all the answers. I got, I'll be in my corner office. You, know, you, you, you sort of play the part is what you think uh, that role should be like. But one of the things I realized uh, quickly is that there was so much knowledge within the team that I had that, uh, it, I, it didn't take me too long. Maybe after about a year or so, I was like, I just sort of let down my guard and started talking to people and asking questions and and seeing how they thought of different challenges facing the business. And what I realized is that there was so much power in the people. There was so much, uh, you know, I always say the collective wisdom of the team is so much better than one, you know, guy in a corner office. And 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 I realized that during that time. And so I didn't have to have all the answers. One of the things I learned through that role was. I needed to have the right questions and be willing to shut up and listen. And I, and I, you know, once you, once I did that, I became a lot more successful as a leader. That it wasn't all about just my ideas. It was, it was the collective ideas of the team, you know, me sorting out like, Oh, that's a good one. We maybe need to try that, you know, and, and, and sort of, but, but still, you know, being able, being willing to listen to the ideas of the team. What would you say is the approach that you have to take to find that balance though, of being able to lean on the team, but still maintain the position as the, the leader of the team and not always running to them for them to tell you what to do? Like, like, how do you balance that? How do you know when, what the right way to ask the question even is? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the leader never uh, advocates the responsibility of actually leading, right? But I think it's, it's, it's it, when you take that opportunity and sort of, um, Put your ego aside and be willing to ask questions and listen to the ideas of the team. And then you sort of prioritize or you sort them out. Uh, and then you say, well, this this one makes sense. So we're going to try it. And that's 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 the leader making the decision at that point. We're going to try it. We're going to move forward. We're going to do that thing. But um, yeah, it uh, like one of the things I do when I come into a new business is I, I, I interview as many people as I can. And I have three questions and I say, uh, what's working well here? what's needs to be fixed. And then the third question is, if you were in my shoes, what would you do first? 
And that's kind of interesting. And when I've done that, every time I come into a new business and I ask those questions, you end up getting a long list of things that are common. So you get some common themes. And one of the things I do is early on, I will make one big decision that's based on that input from the employees. And they see right away, they're like, holy cow, this guy's listening, right? And then he's taking action on the things that we know are problematic. So, um, you know, I write in one of my books called, uh, it's it, you know, you, you know this because you're Navy, right? We, we're trained as firefighters. Every Everyone on a ship is a, is a firefighter, right? And we run towards the fire, right? When there's a problem, we run towards it, right? And so one of the things I saw in corporate, especially was people run away from fires. They, they, they move away from wherever the pain is, right? They don't want their careers to be uh, sullied by, you know, some, some defect or, or some customer that, you know, losing a big major customer account. So people gravitate away from problems. Whereas when I do these meetings and have these one-on-ones, I learn where the problems are and I go attack one of those problems. And it just gets you instantly like, oh, we've got a leader that's listening and wants to make a difference. And so I think, um, putting you got to put the ego aside you got to be willing to listen but then you've got to put the rudder in the water and make a decision and go so that's that's where it's sort of like uh it's it's there's a leadership role and responsibility but you you've got to be able to um listen and then take the action that's a really good breakdown too because when you you fix that issue that everybody knows is there but it's been avoided for so long you find like oh now you've got some momentum and so now you carry that. So the team's operating more efficiently. They support yeah. you more because you had their back and fixed the thing, the broken vending machine. It might be something as simple as like, hey, it's simple as we that. Have, yeah. Yeah. We want this one little thing fixed. We keep overlooking it. We fix these big problems, but never the little ones. But so I, I've seen the same. And, you know, I've always said that if you work for your people, they'll work for you. And yeah. so little things like that, you know, you build that momentum and it carries forward. You had a great podcast with a mutual friend of ours and FOE brother, Jerry where yeah. another leader, we had a very similar discussion about leaning in on your people and actually hearing them and working with them. And what's interesting is how that carries over to so many other areas of life. And so I was having a conversation today with one of the brothers about marriage. Mm. He's asking me like, oh, well, how are things rolling with you and Jackie? And I was like, well, it, it looks smooth to everyone because as soon as there's a thing that pops up, we go towards it. We don't run yeah. away from it. And so it keeps yeah. it from ever growing. And so it's the same concept. And so obviously to transition a little bit here, I was wondering if you've seen your improved focus on leadership carry over to you and your sons, you and your wife, you and your yeah. friends. Do, do you start to see an overlap into now it's kind of how you operate everywhere? Yeah, I I, I do. And I would say, you know, uh, FOE is a big part of that. You know, um, I think probably and you probably felt the same way is I sort of was missing a community, um, you know, being, a, being in the military, being around you know, my fellow fellow sailors and stuff, we had like a bond, we had a brotherhood, you know, and uh, a submarine is all male crew. So we didn't have any females. So but we were, we were all male crew, we were very much tight, we, you know, we come back from sea, and we would, we'd all hang out together, even though we just spent three months out at sea together, we'd still hang out together. And so I missed that brotherhood. And, um, and so for me, at least, uh, I would say with, with respect to marriage and, and being a father, I, I, you know, I was always there, I was present, but, um, but I was always, I was focused on my work, right? I mean, I was very successful when I did. And I think uh, I let, I, and I used to remember, I'd be at, uh, you know, church, you know, get togethers and what have you and the whole happy wife, happy life. And you'd like, yeah, that's what it's all about. Uh, I would say that I would tell people like, oh, I lead, you know, 800 people at work, but when I come home, I'm not in charge. And uh, I would, you know, I, I had a, uh, I had a strong mom. I had a mother that was very strong. And uh, my father, 
he he worked a manly job. He was a he was a you know electrician, high voltage electrician, but he worked hard and they came home and relaxed, right? And so that's what I thought sort of the role was like the, the yep. wife was sort of the leader in the family and the and the and the mom, you know, sort of or uh, and the father came home and you know put his feet up after a hard day's work. But you know, through about 2018, I started recognizing that that's probably not the right way. <laughs> That's a family. <laughs> so, uh, so, so for me, it was, you know, uh, you know, funny, I was uh, listening to a podcast and Richard, Richard Cooper was on there talking about uh, the rational male. I never even heard about these books or I never heard about red pill or masculinity or alpha males. I never knew anything. That's under, you know, I was too busy with work getting my yep. stuff done, but I really sort of started to identify with that I've got some areas of my life I got to fix. I've got to put my rudder in the water more with my family life. Like I was, I was, you know, I was a good dad. I was always present, but you know, I wasn't necessarily leading the family. So that's sort of for me, at least, you know, getting plugged in with, uh, with the FOE team is sort of like, you know, starting to, to lead the family more, started to lead my sons, uh, started to lead my wife. And um, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so, it was interesting too, because, you know, when you start getting into that red pill stuff and, and it's interesting, but then like, I don't want to pick up women. I've been married for, you know, three decades. Right. So, so I started trying to find like the married red pill community. What does that look like? And that's, I think where we bumped into each other. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is what I want to do. I want to be a masculine leader in my family, but I don't want to be going out trying to date, you know, I don't want to go meet women, but I think that's what, um, what, what FOE is good about is is its community of men that are trying to be better fathers better husbands better leaders in their community better leaders at work and uh and i think i really you know for me at least it's a it's a it's a group of men you know working to get better and, and sharing our journey in the process and and i love it i mean that's that's what i was missing all these years so uh so so i i would say this i've gotten a lot better in all those areas and leadership at, at home, uh, through through my through FOE and through just me changing over the the past three or four years, it's incredible to hear that because when I created it, that obviously was the drive. And I've shared with that like that's I needed it, so I built it. And then mm -hmm. for other vets to come in, we've had a few come on and say the same, like, "Oh, this is just like that." Well, I'm like, "Thank goodness," <laughs> because yeah. that's exactly the target I was shooting for, and so I'm glad it's providing the value and and pretty much the service I wanted it to provide, which is that kind of PC free. Let's just say what it is we're trying to say and be who it is we're trying to be, and let's work together with some honesty and some integrity there. You know, there's a standard that you're held to, and so you need to know the man to your right and left will be there when you need them. I'm gonna yeah. go back for just a moment because yeah. every time I hear "Happy Wife, Happy Life," I know that an angel loses its wings, and so <laughs> when you hear that. Men, they, they often find themselves in these patterns that are socially accepted. And going back to what you were saying about your father coming home, that's one of the messages I actually had to snap myself out of as well. I worked so hard. I wanted to go home and chill. But when I got home, if my kids didn't see me working hard, my wife didn't see me working hard. They didn't see me at the factory. They didn't see me making the sale. They didn't see me leading the team, whatever it was. They don't see that. They only saw there's there's my guy. There's that hero. You know, your kids want to be just like dad. Well, dad comes home, opens a beer, sits down, watches yeah. Netflix. It's like you might have earned that. It's not a knock on your work effort, but you have to understand that they didn't see that. And so this yeah. is why I say just dedicate some time to connecting with the family. You know, dedicate some time to letting them know, like, what is it that you did that day? What are you relaxing from? Let them understand a little bit more than you're not just hanging out and relaxing because that's not the image you want to set. And that's not the standard you want to set because that's what your kids will emulate. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, and what, you know, the, the nice thing about being an entrepreneur, both my boys have had a chance to work at my factory. My wife works in the factory in the summer. So, All right, so there goes everything I said. They do get to see you working every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, but, but you can't do that in a corporate environment. So, you know, but I can do it in my factory. So, you know, it's, it's my business. I can bring people in. And uh, that's been really good because they kind of see like, oh, you know, dad's been talking about current transformers for <laughs> for 20 years. Now they see one. They actually have to build one, you know, and they actually have to, uh, you know, work in a factory and see what that's like. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think, um, I, you know, for me, you know, one of the big changes I did, my son, this might sound funny, but it was a subtle change that I did uh, that was really important was I wouldn't, I no longer let my wife drive. Like whenever we would, you know, go out or whatever, I would always take the wheel. I would always drive. Uh, because before that I'd get home from work, I'd be tired. Right. And, and she's like, oh, we're going to go to dinner. I'm like, why don't you drive? I'll just go sit over here. And, and, and that, you know, now I'm kind of, uh, you know, embarrassed to even say that, but I would just say, I'm, I'm tired. You drive, you know, we're going to go somewhere. So I was actually, you know, making her lead the family during those times. And that's kind of embarrassing, you know, but, you know, you know, since we've made, you know, since I've made the change, since I become became the leader in my household, I don't think she, she ever drives anymore. And she loves the fact that I just jump in, I grab the car, we're going to go. And, and it's just just that one little subtle shift was was a big, important part of saying, like, I'm taking the wheel of this family now. You know, it's great to hear that. And one of the things that stands out about it, too, is you just spoke about how your wife was like, this is great. Welcome back, John. Let's go. You know, I'm yeah. all on support. I get to hang out. Like I said, hand out the window and just cruise as a passenger. Yeah. And within the fraternity, one of the pushbacks we've had is like, oh, this is an all male community. Mm. I don't think society at large understands the importance of all male communities in the military. It's predominantly male. You know, there, there are some females in there, but I would say it does offer that same sense of like brotherhood on submarines, 100% for sure. I was in a carrier. It's like literally the opposite above mm, water, yeah. like 5,000 people. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, right. but a lot of men, you know, and it, like I said, a PC free environment, we were honest with each other. We got to be what I believe men should be to just free spirits, letting like, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. And then my, my brothers will hold me to a standard of mind, body, spirit, be your best man. If you're not being your best, then you're, you're being less than, and we don't tolerate that around us. We want the best. And so in FOE, there's this pushback, this notion of being a he-man woman haters club. And I laugh because we have a family channel that's one of our most booming channels. We have channels that are focused on being the best husband you can be, the best father you can be. When men are around men working to be their best selves, one of the prime beneficiaries of that is the women mm. and the children. Yeah. They get the best husband and father. And so did you have any reservation when you first joined FOE to, to sharing your story and letting them see kind of who you were and where you were trying to go. And did, did, did your wife, when you told her you were in a men's group, how did that go initially? Yeah. I, you know, I, I pretty much didn't, didn't talk about it. I joined, you know, knowing like I had club. some, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I joined knowing I needed to fix some things with myself. Right. And I needed to be around people that were moving, you know, generally getting better in their own personal journey. So I need to be around the right people. So I would say for the first year, she didn't know about it. I was just, I was just, you know, doing it and uh, on, on the side, if you will, you know, and part of it is like, is this going to work for me? Is this, is this what I need type of thing? But probably after that first year, I started talking about it. Hey, I, I found this group, this FOE group I'm meeting, you know, and she was curious, like, what is it? You know, is it, is it the He-Man? What is, did you call it? The, the, the He-Man Woman Hater from the Little Rascals. <laughs> right, exactly. He-Man Woman Hater. Is it the Woman Hater Club? And, and, um, 
But no, the more and more she learned about it, she was like, this is good. Men need this. This is really important. She's like, you know, and now, of course, she's like, when can you get our sons in there? This is really important. I've seen a change in you. These our boys need to be men like the with the right character traits and being leaders in their families and in the communities and their home are in, uh, in at work. And what's interesting is she's like a huge proponent of, of FOE now. So, you know, for, so it started with me being sort of quiet about it. I'm like, okay, let's just see if this is something that's going to help me. And, you know, the, the results are, she is probably more pro FOE than probably <laughs> any woman on earth, right? She, she follows you guys on Twitter. She interacts with you. She listens to some of the fatherhood Zooms, uh, not Zooms, but the, uh, the, the live spaces. Yeah. 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 The live spaces. So she'll listen in on it. And, uh, and she, she really enjoys, she knows a lot of the guys I talk about and she follows a lot of them on social media and uh, yeah, she sees a big improvement in me. But she also sees the, the need for men to have a uh, place like this where they can be men and they can work on themselves. So she sees the benefit of it for sure. Yeah, that's excellent. And and just full disclosure for anybody listening, my wife, myself, Anthony, and another FWE man, we went to your book launch. You know, so we got to meet your wife in person, shake hands like, hey, we're real people. And so one of the things I'm loving about what we're doing within FOE and just I love to see even other groups that I see doing the same is this is all being brought to the real world. Like real families are meeting each other. And what I, I think that really cements the bond and it makes it a little less weird because they see like, oh, that's not that, that internet guy who's living in a basement. Like, no, there's a man with his kids, you know, like in tow. Here's his wife, totally normal people meeting another man with his wife, his kids. Yeah. And so as you see that continue to grow, I can't help but be very positive what the future has to bring. You know, and that's that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to, especially with these calls, is just letting people see like the future is very positive. You know, and with the outside world kind of doing what it's doing and things getting a little weird and chaotic, those who are watching the distractions, they're the ones that are kind of losing themselves to the pressure and the stress. But those who are focusing on their mission, just focusing on their connection and the bonds and what they can control, they're not having a lot of the ailments. So I was just wondering, as a leader, what is your recommendation if one of your guys was telling you that they're caught up in that mainstream nonsense that's going on? How would you help them stay focused on what matters? And how they can just make sure they keep themselves with a positive outlook as they head forward through 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's unplugging. You've got to unplug. And I and I think that's a big thing I did. You know, politically, I was I was very active, um, very interested in political debate discussions. And and uh, during the Trump Hillary uh, election, that's when I was like, this has gotten out of hand. That's so I don't know how long ago that was, but that's when it feels like forever, if we're being honest. Yeah. yeah. So I that's when I unplugged from the 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 day-to-day getting all upset about whatever was happening in the world. And you know, the media tells you you got to be upset about this. Uh you know, uh politicians say you got to be upset about this. I I decided I'm not going to be upset about those things. I'm going to focus on my family. I'm going to focus on my company. I'm going to focus on the people in the sphere around me. And I'm going to be excellent in everything that I do. And I want to be a role model, positive role model for the people around me. And I'm not going to get caught up in those storms of you need to be upset about this. Oh, Nike did this. You got to be upset about Nike. And, and, you know, this company did this. You got to be, I don't have time for that. I've got a mission. Uh, I'm focused on that mission. And I encourage, you know, those that are getting caught up in the, in those things is to unplug and and focus on what's going to make you better, your family better, the people around you better. No, it's a great answer. And again, I, I'm like, literally the opposite on everything like i don't care about any of that stuff at all you know yeah. like nike did what people ask me when they come on the podcast oh did you see this celebrity and you know him i'm like i have no idea 
Like, yeah, I, yeah. I am so far removed from what pop culture is. Um, on New Year's, Jackie and I watched uh, the ball drop somewhere. And there were a bunch of singers and people talking. Like, I don't know anybody. You know, I'm like, I'm like that guy who's like out of touch with like, you know, the, the boomer, whatever you want to call it. Like, I'm like, I have no idea who these stars are. I don't know who these yeah. actors are. I'm that guy, which is cool. You know, I'm happy with it, but definitely solid advice. Now, John, one question I wanted to ask, and this is a question I'm asking everybody that comes on. Why are you choosing, and you're a lifer. Yeah. Why are you, why did you choose to remain in FOE? And why are you choosing to remain an active member in this community? Why Fraternity of Excellence? So, like I said, I, it was it was a group group of men that I was missing from my days in the military. So that was part of it, having that fraternity, a group, a group that I could relate to um, and live life with, right? But the other thing is, like the men of FOE inspire me. Like I cannot tell you how much, uh, and maybe I don't interact, you know, all the time, and you know, but I'm watching people. Uh, you know, we've got some guys, you know, Tim Hicks, for example. I don't know if I'm supposed to throw names out, but but who's who's putting his name, putting himself out there. And he's, he's trying to do, lead his family, right? Lead his company, uh, get in the best shape of his life, lose all this weight. And he's doing it, uh, uh, you know, openly and, and sharing it and just being uh, authentic about it. And I'm like, I want to be as authentic as Tim. You know, I see guys like Jerry, who is 56 years old, he's six months older than me. And he's, he, he looks you see his like picture a, today. Yeah, I saw his picture. Oh my today. god, <laughs> he's got six pack abs. He, you know, he he works out every morning. You know, and it's funny because I'm 55, and you think like, well, you know, I can't get in, I can't get in the best shape of my life. I'm I'm old now, right? And there's Jerry, six months older than me, just crushing it. And again, he inspires me to be better, right? I look at uh, Tex, for example. You know, someone that uh, his wisdom and just his, you know, he's. He's the patriarch of his clan, right? And you see that. And I'm like, I want to be that patriarch. So he inspires me. And I could go on and on. But I'm saying is that the men of FOE inspire me to be better. I'm looking at different elements of their lives and saying, that's that's a standard that, that that's something that can be achieved, you know, that maybe you thought I, I didn't think that, that was possible, but but it is possible and you, you can reach those levels. And so I think the men of FOE inspire me and I want to continue to be around people who inspire me to be better. No, that's a great way to explain it. And it, it's hard sometimes for me to put into words what it means to me as well. And that that's a great way to look at it because you're around people that, again, the positive focus, the forward momentum, even when you slip and fall and you share it, doing so in a manner that is so open and honest, you're like, thank you. You're a real human being. You know, yeah. it's not like a platitude. It's not some trending way to say something. It's just literally a real life scenario. You slipped, you fell, you want to get back up and you need help. You know, I yeah. love seeing those stories because it's just, it's truthful. It's honest. It's real connection. And so just seeing that grow, man, I'm, I'm really excited. And you being a part of it, I could not appreciate that more. The insights I've gained, you know, watching you grow. And so with the Deep Leadership Podcast and what you have coming down the pipeline, before we wrap this one up, what is your 2023 looking like? Any, anything you want to drop here or any big plans you have coming down? Yeah. So no, I mean, the, the, the deep leadership podcast has grown now. We, we just reached the top 100 management podcasts in the U S. So like I'm around all the big guys, like the guys you hear about, like Jocko and all that, like I'm in that club. Well, sort of, I'm, I'm in the club. We got the highest ranking was 59. So, you know, so, suddenly like a guy who bought a microphone three years ago, didn't know anything about podcasting is now in the playing with the big dogs. So to me, it's continuing to grow that we're, we're, I'm booked out into March with different guests that I've got coming on the show. So continue to grow that. Um, as you probably know, uh, I made the decision to, uh, to 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 go for my doctorate degree. So I'm actively involved in uh, in learning more about the 
uh, academic side of leadership. And so that's really a big part of what I'm doing. So I'm not writing any books this year, not planning on it because I've got so many uh, research projects to write. And, uh, but that, you know, it's interesting. Um, would I be doing this if I wasn't part of uh, FOE? Would I be going after a PhD if I wasn't in FOE? Probably not. I would be comfortable. I would be happy. I would go home and have a you know glass of bourbon and I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be worried about trying to push myself. But you know, part of being an FOE means you're trying to get better. You're trying to become excellent. You want to be of, of, of a level that's acceptable in a group of excellent men. And so Part of being, you know, going after my PhD is is being part is is pushing myself to a place of uncomfort, you know, where I'm uncomfortable. A place I've been to school in 20 years. Like I don't know, I don't know what APA formatting is. I'm gonna learn this. <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out, right? So I think just uh, yeah. So this year is about uh, continuing my academic journey, really growing the uh, Deep Leadership Podcast, and, and just learning more and more about the podcasting world. And 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 I. Now I got to step up. I'm starting to get, uh, like I said, more traction. So I want to get, you know, do I have the rest right sound system? Do I, am I doing, you know, am I doing, am I, what's one of the best practices in podcasting, right? Before it was just buy a mic and start. Now it's like, how can I make this excellent? How can I make it better? So. No, I love to see it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I know you're going to execute on it. And again, being an FOE, I've got a front row seat to this. So I'm pumped for you. I'm looking to see the Rennie Clarion go famous. Let's go. Let's get <laughs> you out there. The whole world needs to hear you. But I want to appreciate, I want to say thank you for your time. You know, I appreciate you coming on here and just give me the time out of your day because I know you're a busy man. And yeah, so, absolutely. John, that's, that's been a lot of fun. I, yes, sir. I've got links to all of your content below. So I'll be sending people your way. If anybody wants to get to know John Moore, you have questions on him, or if you're a leader and you're looking to listen to the podcast, great content there. If you're a leader and you want to talk to John about leadership, again, you can find it through the links below. John, thank you for coming on. And for everybody who tuned in, this has been another episode on the Family Alpha podcast. Like, subscribe, share, but most importantly, take the lessons you learned and apply them. That's how you'll get yourself to that level of excellence John's been talking about. You guys have a great one. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned and be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.